We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Helton. Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Monday, December 4th edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel. Um, Derek Van Riper and I are going to recap the Sunday action from Week 13. Um, so top three fantasy quarterbacks, as we all expected from Week 13, Alex Smith, Josh McCown, Blake Bortles. Just like we wrote it up. Yeah, I thought Geno Smith would be in there, so yeah. I guess that was the the one surprise for me is that he fell short. But uh, yeah, exactly what everybody thought from a DFS and season-long standpoint, and I think at the time that the the early kickoffs ended, those were some of the lowest scores I've seen all season, even mm-hmm. though there were teams putting points on the board, just because a lot of the players on those teams are are under owned or on benches or, you know, just kind of a, a strange sequence of events. It, it kind of leveled out a little bit uh, with the after, late afternoon games. And then, of course, uh, you know, Seattle and, and Philly playing Sunday night. But uh, yeah, we, a weird week in, in some ways. Yeah, I, I tweeted out at one point. Yeah, yeah, I totally know these guys scoring touchdowns for the Lions. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I know. Every time Red Zone would cut to that game and they, they'd find a way to score, I'd be like, what? Who, who, who is, is this guy? Like, why? <laughs> Nick Bellor? Like, what? Why do I? How do I not know who these players are? But uh, no one knew who those players were. So, yeah. well, now there's people listening going, I knew. And you guys are hosting a podcast. Damn it. Nick Bellore, like you knew he was going to catch a touchdown pass. Like that's that's amazing. Tyon Green. I'm confident that we'll never mention these guys again. So that's good. Tyon Green, I guess we could. But I think we could because they haven't figured out how to run the ball yes. real well in a few but, years. So just getting remember, help. Anyone help. who gets is thinking about Tyon Green for week 14 on waivers. Just remember, we ha- we've had this same conversation in probably multiple seasons about Zach Zanner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess we have. The upside is that the Lions match up with the Bucks, And uh, if uh, if Matthew Stafford's hand is okay, I think the Lions can could beat Tampa Bay because I, I watched that the Bucks-Packers game in mm-hmm. its entirety yesterday, and wow. Like, I mean, they're... Jameis Winston has urges to do stuff with the ball at the absolute worst possible time. Like I, 
I can't remember a quarterback who, as he's about to get sacked, instinctively wants to wind up and just fire a lateral somewhere. Like, yeah. just because, like, well, I don't want to take the sack. I want to throw the ball somewhere. And it's like, just take the sack, man. Like, you, he just doesn't, he does not make simple good decisions in obviously bad situations. And those are really dumb turnovers because they're the most avoidable ones. Right. Are you, are you complete? I mean, we're near the end of year three here with Jameis. What, after what you saw yesterday, what do you think? I mean, are, it's, it's early still to say never going to happen. But I mean, you, you watched all day yesterday. What, I haven't watched it. Actually, I did watch one full game with him this year, but I, <sighs> you know, otherwise I've seen, you know, parts. It just looks like more of the same. Yeah. Uh, as far as what I saw in previous years. And by now you want to see a step forward and, and to be fair to Winston, we don't see it from Mariota either. Right. And how much of that is on cutter and malarkey? I, I just don't know. But the other stupid thing about the Bucks and Jameis Winston, just just to completely crater your outline from the start. How do you target Mike Evans six times in a game <laughs> against the Packers? Against the Packers. I mean, a team that really doesn't defend the pass well. Uh, Demarius Randall even missed some snaps. He got checked out for a concussion and he came back. Six targets for Mike Evans. He loves throwing to Cameron Brait. Doesn't really like throwing to Mike Evans all that much. I right. I just don't get that. I mean, I maybe I'm the guy that consistently overrates Mike Evans because the targets are usually there. Yes. But it's the second time in four weeks now where he's been targeted six times. And a lot of other games this year, you know, eight was kind of the floor and, and double digits seems like the regular plan for him. But I don't know how they lost that part of their game plan yesterday. Right. I, I don't either. And, uh, you know, like you said, you watched it. I, I didn't get to watch that whole thing. But um, I mean, normally he does target Mike Evans. So maybe that was just I mean, may, maybe as as screwed up as it is, hopefully it's some sort of anomaly for Jameis, um, at least for Mike Evans owners anyway. Um, everybody, before we proceed wrapping up or reviewing all the games, um, check us out on Twitter. Derek's at Derek Van Riper. I'm at jhoppin 37 um, And you can also tweet us at Rotowire. Find us on Facebook. And the player, uh, the, the news feed is at Rotowire NFL on Twitter. Okay. Um, let's go. Vikings-Falcons. Oh, what a, ugh, what a bummer of a fantasy game that was. I watched a lot of this one. And I was kind of expecting, look, I know there are some good defense. I mean, the Vikings have a good defense. The, the Falcons defense has been is talented and shows signs of being really good. But I kind of thought there'd be more points in this game. And it was just, I mean, unless you owned who? Kyle Rudolph. I mean, who's happy coming out of this one? Case Keenum owners. If you, if you started Case Keenum, you're happy. And OK, one other thing before I let you, you know, respond to this. Did Mike Zimmer really need to say yesterday Case will be our starter next week? Did somebody ask him that? Well, well, I think some. Yeah, I think somebody asked him. But like, why do we have? Why are we talking about this anymore? Who well, who is sitting anywhere going? Man, I really think they might want to consider Teddy Bridgewater. Who is thinking that? If anybody, I, I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's coming just straight from the beat writer or if there are editors that are, are saying let's keep the story going. This gets a lot of debate. I mean, are Vikings fans even? questioning it anymore I, I i don't think they would be but yeah if someone asked him a dumb question then he's obligated to stand there and answer it unfortunately for him yes. but um it, it's kind of a pet peeve of mine that that the people with access and you know i can occasionally get credentialed for things more for baseball than for football i don't try often for football because if you go to a game and cover one game you miss the rest of the games and that is kind of a problem for what we do yes um but like, there's like, there are challenges of that job, like filling columns every day when stuff's not happening that I think a lot of us can can overlook. I, I never was a beat writer. I went to college and worked for Rotowire and have been here in the entire time since college. So maybe there's part of that where they just have to ask enough questions just to crank out the column. But I am often annoyed at the quality of the questions yep. that, that writers ask. They're generally bad questions. And I understand why coaches get annoyed and frustrated with them because usually it's the same question over and over again. The typical like, hey, talk about this, like that, which isn't a question that that's that's stupid, too. Uh, and then the third type of questions, like the, the sideline reporter question. But those questions pop up in postgame, too. What was going through your mind when big play happened? 
and like if you've ever played sports, you probably just did it. Like maybe you saw something on the field and, and, and anticipated it and reacted a little bit. But generally, everything's happening so fast. You're just doing it because yeah. that, that that's why you're there, because you can just do it without thinking a lot about it in the moment. And I just I don't know. I'm, I'm so tired of of that type of reporting. I, I don't have a lot of ideas for how to make it significantly better. I mean, I think there's some constraints in the topics itself. But the other problem is, even if you ask better questions, if you were, if you were more tactical in your questions, you're not going to get good tactical answers because they don't want to tip anything to anybody. Probably not at, after a game, especially. So it's funny. My, my friend Mick Mixon, the play-by-play man for the Panthers, says the thing he hates is the talk about question. It's the worst. It's not, it's not a question. No. <laughs> no, and it happens at every level. I mean, that's the kind of thing that it, I think it's become a bad habit of younger writers where if you were to go to you know, a, a D1 college football mm-hmm. or basketball game, post-game presser, you'd have the kids that are the senior editors or the top editors of their sports page who are there covering the best sport at their school asking questions that way. Like it, it's, it's become like this bad habit that everybody has taken on or a lot of people have taken on at least. and It, it needs to go away. Uh, I agree with you. And I'm with you. But yeah, please, nobody anymore. Please don't ask Mike Zimmer about Case Keenum anymore unless he gets hurt. Um, or unless and, he starts playing terribly. Like, I mean, if you yeah. ask a couple bad games, sure, ask the question then. But it, there's no they're 10 and two right now. Right. Um, Team Latavius, pretty strong day. He didn't get a touchdown, but the productivity was good. And the thing is, McKinnon stole the touchdown, which yeah. was, you know, what's always fun. Kyle Rudolph was fine. Um, Julio. um, Man, how did the, the, the Vikings corner shut him down? Yeah, I think there was a lot of Xavier Rhodes in this yeah. one. I mean, Thielen, Diggs, and Julio all were pretty quiet. Thielen had a pretty big catch late that kind of helped him seal it. Uh, four for 51 for him, the best of, the, of that trio. But I, I thought all three of those guys would do more. I liked Sanu a little bit with Jones getting extra attention. And this game, I mean, it was a good close game between two teams that could meet again in the playoffs, depending on how things play out for Atlanta as they try to get a wild card now. I think they're two behind the Saints. I, I just, I, I kind of, like you, I thought it would at least get up into the 20s. Yep. And I, th- I thought it had shootout potential because Atlanta was missing a couple of key players in their secondary. And folks, thanks to the Eagles' loss, we are we are a half, at least a half step closer to a home team Super Bowl, which I think I'm going to be rooting for. Are you? You rooting for that? It'd be fun. The story would be fun. Because people would have a cow about it. Yeah, people would be really, really upset. Not that I like hot takes, because the thing is, if people complain about it, I would come on here and I'd talk to you and complain about the idiotic takes. But it's kind of, <laughs> I think it'd be kind of fun to have people going, oh, my gosh, they're getting a home game. How did this happen? Yeah, I mean, well, that's the risk you run playing the Super Bowl in stadiums that are the home stadiums of the teams in the league. Right. If you had some amazing palatial stadium you could use only for the super bowl in a neutral location that would right. be kind of cool but you know, we should play every super bowl in london and be done with it i yeah make 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 it a global game like <laughs> that's that's the way to do it uh, i'm mean, vegas is getting a team otherwise vegas could be the ultimate destination for the super bowl because by february it's not you know 100 degrees every day there right. so that could that could have worked but nope got to get the raiders there instead uh, but yeah, Minnesota, I mean, I think most weeks their offense is just going to run through those same four guys. And Rudolph kind of pushing in there hurts a guy like Diggs or Thielen, but probably Diggs more likely because I, th- I think the, the passing game can really sustain two players most weeks. And the running game, because they have leads, is good enough to sustain two also since McKinnon gets so much of the passing down work. Right. All right. Texans Titans next. Once again, I am underwhelmed with the Titans. And they're eight and four. Um, so, so if you're looking at the box score, there will be some things to fool you. Um, Derek Henry being chief among them. So, Demarco Murray outsnapped Derek Henry, thirty-two to twenty-four. Demarco Murray performed better than Derek Henry for most of the day. However, Derek Henry ran for a seventy-five-yard touchdown with less than a minute left when the Titans were trying to run out the clock. So, his his eleven for one hundred nine and a touchdown was really more like ten for thirty something. So it was a little, and by the way, what a bad beat on the bet. If you took, if you took the Texans getting what seven, I think they were getting. 
seven or seven and a half. Yeah. Even, I mean, that game was, I think I literally, I, I, I was watching the end of that game. And when Savage threw the pick in the end zone with a, what, a minute and a half left or something, I said, oh, okay, we're done. And I flipped somewhere else. And later I looked and I went, 24-13, what? What happened? <laughs> and that yep. Garbage so. time TD. Bad, I mean, bad if you had the Texans uh, getting the points. Bad if you're playing against DeMarco or Derek, Derek Henry. I mean, if you were playing DeMarco Murray, you're probably frustrated he didn't do that because that would have been a nice little boost to his day. But yeah, I mean, prior to that long TD run in the, in the end game, Murray did have the better per carry average. So I think in the mind of Mike Malarkey, if I'm trying to predict what he's going to do. It's things are going to remain the same. Now, Marcus Mariota against what has become, I think, the league's softest pass defense over the last six weeks. We talked about it on Friday. Yeah. Mariota having a 6.5 YPA against Houston is dreadful. That's really bad. Corey Davis, two catches, 12 yards, four targets. But 80% of the snaps. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he must be blocking a lot. Yeah. That's not, not a lot. Brutal. Give up. So, you know, I was critical of, of Jameis before having watched that game closely. I didn't get to watch this one the same way since they were on at the same time. What is going on with Mariota? I mean, th- this is just ridiculous. Like, with, with more talent, he's doing less. And the coaching staff's the same. So either the coaching staff hasn't adjusted anything or he has actually regressed. I, I don't, and I don't know which one it is. Yeah, I can't say I watch much of this one. So uh, that's going to have to wait for later in the week. But I agree. Something's, something's not right there. Um, and I know they, they would, that team would prefer to run first. But, I mean, not a lot of plays here either, by the way. For Hold on a second. I'm trying to look at the, the team stats, which I don't have in front of me. But, not, I mean, you know, literally what? We had 40... Five forty-eight offensive plays for the Titans. Yeah, and the Texans ran seventy-one. <laughs> right. So yeah, I mean, we need to dig into this one a little more. Yeah, but the Mariota thing—that's just not because yesterday looked like if, if not now when right, and it was not yesterday. Even it though was, he ran for a touchdown and salvaged his fantasy day. Yeah, it was it was DFS chalk, and I ended up playing Keenum over him in my Superflex league, and I think it was Mariota because of the rushing TD maybe outscored him by like one. But but the process was right. The process was right. I mean, 6.5 YPA, you can't rely on the rushing TD. And he doesn't run as often as like Cam does either. So even the yardage floor is a little bit lower. So our shootout came in East Rutherford, New Jersey, with the the Chiefs and the Jets. Go figure. Alex Smith, thank you. Welcome back, Alex Smith. Now that everybody benched you, you decided to have a great fantasy game. (laughs) <laughs> Probably your yeah. best one of the year. <laughs> it was, it, it's pretty much the same level as this game against New England, I think. You yeah, know, it's over well over 300, four TDs, 70 rushing yards. He, uh, he outran. Run. Yeah. Cream hunted nine carries for 40 yards. Nice game plan again. They had a 14 nothing lead early because Travis Kelsey scored twice on the I think on back to back possessions to start the game. And Kareem Hunt gets nine carries for 40 yards. Like what what are they doing with the play calling? I, I don't know. Uh, I agree with you. I mean, they threw plenty. Um, Tyreek Hill, huge game. But yeah, Kareem Hunt, I don't know. That, that, that's just not where I, that was another one. That was yet yesterday had bounce back written all over it because West was out and it just didn't happen. Um, Jet side of things. All right. We need to start. All right. We've talked about Robbie Anderson enough. And Robbie Anderson's fine. And we're all happy with Robbie Anderson, right? But yeah, the guy we're not talking about. Season total. I'm going to go to some stats here on Yahoo. And what do we got here? Hold on one second. Jermaine Curse is is now a top 25 PPR receiver on the season. This is, this is a big deal. I've got a Yahoo's got him at, at wide receiver 22 in PPR. 51 catches, 677, five touchdowns. I mean, he's like, he's legit. Even non-bye week now, I can play this guy as my flex, which which I, I never would have thought. And even until yesterday, I went, look, I know we had the huge game last week against the Panthers. They were throwing a lot late. I'm still not buying. And they just, you know, he's, he's doing really well. So I've got him in a league with a flex spot. 
it's 14 and a flex. And he was on my bench because I had other options that were, that were fine. And it wasn't a, a total mistake or anything. I mean, I would have got more if I'd played him, but just one of those weeks where all my options did pretty well. So I'm not mad about it. I don't understand how he had, you know, 35, 38 and 14 in his three before going over a hundred against Carolina. So under 105 over three combined games gets the one Oh five on 11 targets, seven catches against Carolina teams have been picking apart that chief secondary all season. So, I mean, I, I was at least somewhat prepared for a good game from curse, but not 157. That, that wasn't, that wasn't right. in line with what I thought. I, I still look at the game log and it, it makes me a little nervous. I think he's more of a matchup play, even as a flex, even though he's been able to pile up so much yardage these last few weeks to push his way into the top 25. I think if you had him and you're looking at a playoff matchup in week 14 or, or do or die in week 14, you know, you're, you're still treading somewhat cautiously and the jets are one of those teams. Like they're overachieving in a big way. Like Todd Bowles was on the hot seat before the season even started for, I don't, I don't really know why you hire a coach, you build a crappy team around him. I don't know what you expect the coach to do, but they, I mean, compared to expectations where everybody thought they were going to lose every game potentially or win one or maybe two, they're five and seven. They have a shot at the last wild card in the AFC. Right. They absolutely do. I mean, the AFC is bad, but yeah, they do. Um, otherwise in this game, I mean, McCown's still another one. McCown's just still, you know, we're, we're idiots for not using him more. Two rushing touchdowns. That's awesome. But yeah, he, we, he just, you know, keep putting up numbers and we keep going. Yeah, I don't know, it's Josh McCown. I just I don't know how he's doing it, but the schedule's not easy for them down the stretch. Three or four on the road. They're at Denver. Yep. Which is just not because Denver's that good anymore, but just tough because going into Denver is hard. And they'll get to lead back off a of suspension at the Saints and then home against the Chargers, which could be like a must win for the Chargers, too. And then at New England in week 17. Right. Um. So. Next game is the Dolphins blowout of the uh, Broncos. Kenyon Drake, he lived up to the expectation. You know, he had the backfield all to himself. He was playing against a bad opponent. I mean, at least an opponent that's been struggling. I know their defense isn't traditionally bad, but, you know, they're a gettable opponent at this point. And Kenyon Drake, 20, 23 for 120 and a touchdown, had that big, long touchdown run. I think it was in the second half. He just, if you played him, you were very well rewarded, and you're probably going to keep rolling with him. Yeah, it, I think so. I mean, Damian Williams is going to miss a couple weeks anyway. So the Dolphins offense, late, you know, late, 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 starting to, to click, and they're like the Jets. They're five and seven, theoretically, in right. the mix, trying to get a playoff spot. And given how terrible they've looked at times, that is unbelievable. They have a huge home game against the Patriots in week 14. Then they go at Buffalo, at Kansas City, and then home against Buffalo. That's pretty good. It, I mean, it could be worse. Like, the at Chiefs is not ideal. You'd rather play them in Miami. But winnable. Like, they could do it. I think they're going to lose to the Patriots. and. Right probably finish eight and eight if at best, which, which could be good enough based on tiebreakers and all that stuff. If Kenyon Drake though, is this good? Why was Damian Williams able to share the workload with him previously? Cause he's not bad either. And the thing is, I don't know if Kenyon Drake is this good, but he's okay. And Damian Williams is kind of okay too. So, I mean, that's, I know it's great analysis right there, but you know, I, I, I guess I don't have huge complaints with that one. And I remember last year they had issues with Drake, you know, learning the playbook and all that stuff, but hopefully those things are, we're beyond that with him. Um, other side of this game, the Bronco backfield. So you're tempted to look at the box score and, you know, say, oh, you know, CJ Anderson's back. Well, Devontae Booker apparently was suffering from some sort of illness, and that's why his playing time got limited. So I don't know how much I would read into this. I mean, it doesn't help you if you want to start Devontae Booker next week because, um, you know, they're, you know, right after yesterday, and CJ Anderson actually played okay. And uh, got, what is he, 15 for 67 and caught four passes. And, you know, if you had C.J. Anderson, you're like, hey, wow, that's not bad. Well, it, things might change again. So that, that is a definitely fluid backfield we got going on right there. And they're playing, um, they're playing the Jets, which is, which is a team you can run on. You might want to listen to what the Broncos have to say over the course of the week about their backfield so we can get any clues. And I know we'll do that for you. Um, Colton, oh, the, and the Devontae Parker experiment. And there, there you go again. I think I read some, somewhere on Twitter, and I need to find it. 
Someone posted something that said five of the last nine passes targeted for Devontae Parker have been intercepted. But I don't remember where it was. So I, w- I want to give credit where it's due, but I don't know who it was. Oh, so. that's that's brutal. Amazing. Yeah, uh, yeah it, it's pretty great. Maybe fluky. also <laughs> the, on the Denver side, Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. My goodness. You got uh, combined four catches for 38 yards on 17 targets. Let's just remember again. I said again after, you know, after two games this year, Trevor Simeon still threw seven touchdowns with 11 interceptions in the senior year at Northwestern. And we should never forget that. Why is he in the NFL? I mean, last year he wasn't terrible, right? He wasn't good. He was okay. He was competent, relatively. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, the bar is low. Agreed. But he wasn't killing you like he seems to be now. Um, Jags, Colts, this went about as we expected. Um, Bortles had a decent game. Uh, I mean, not great. You know, we talked, we joked about him being the number three quarterback for the week, but you know, three oh nine and two touchdowns. He he wasn't a monster. It was a solid game. If you streamed him, you're you're happy. Uh, on the Colts side, I mean, T. Y. Hilton finally he had a big TD play, which you know, if you if you stuck with him, you're I guess you're kind of happy. It wasn't great, but it was fine. Uh, Marquise Lee. I mean, basically playing receivers against the Colts has been a good idea all year. Marquise Lee. If you've been using him in a PPR league, I mean, all year, he's just been a nice, solid play. And the touchdown, you know, kind of took him to another level yesterday. That was a really nice day out of him. Yeah, it was. Brad Norman had a nice day, too. 29 yards per attempt. <laughs> Brad Norman. You're killing Brad Norman. No, I, I, like, I like Brad Norman. Wow. A Wisconsin guy like me. For, like I, former I, Panther. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm pro Brad Norman. Like, I'd, I'd probably be friends with him. We'd have common ground over places we've drank beer in Madison or something. So, right. Yeah. Um, Nothing against him. I think that's good. That's good work on him. D.D. Westbrook, um, another good game. I mean, six for 78 is a pretty, that, that's basically we talked, I think last week about the talents there. His issue has been the off, his issue when he got drafted was the off the field stuff and then he got hurt. Um, but he, he seems to be a guy when we were all worried and still, obviously, there's still, you know, it's not great that Allen Robinson got hurt. But basically said, oh, no, who's going to catch passes for the Jags? D.E. Westbrook might actually be a legit NFL receiver here, right? Yeah, no, it looks like it. And interestingly enough, and we talked about this a few weeks ago with D.D. Westbrook. Uh, his off-field issues included a couple of arrests for domestic violence since the time after he left high school. And then yesterday was the day where players wear cleats for their, their various causes, right? Uh, he was wearing purple cleats with the message stop domestic violence during that game. And he's trying to bring awareness to that issue. So that's good. I mean, that's a, a good, good thing that he's kind of trying to right is wrong by also shedding light on a, on a very serious problem, too. So hopefully all is in the right direction with him. And it's one of those things that I, I think the. The positives of, of all the players, like having different charities and things that they were trying to like, not all the players, but most players all have something that they mm-hmm. they're pretty passionate about. Getting a platform to, to share that is is huge. I mean, because I think we tend to overlook the number of good things some players do when you know we talk a lot about bad stuff the players do. And when a player's done something bad, as D.D. Westbrook has. It, it's it's even easier to kind of just brush aside the good. So anyway, I don't know. I thought that was interesting that that was his cause that he brought uh, attention to, given that that was something that he has been in trouble with himself. Right. Absolutely. Um, I'm just trying to check their schedule coming up. They've got the Seahawks at home, the Texans at home, which is a good one for them, for him. And then the Niners on the road in week 16. Um, Bucks Packers. We talked about a little bit already. Um uh, Bucks, Peyton Barber, they said before the game he'd be the starting running back, ran 23 for 102, not pretty good. We talked about Jameis already. We talked about Mike Evans. Um, Cameron Brait, <laughs> two for 39, but both touchdowns. Um, um, uh, Cameron Brait wins this week's guy who made me look smart award because we were talking about him last week a bunch. And I was saying, Jameis is back. He's going to throw to Cameron Brait. He only threw, he only caught two passes, but they, he made him count. Yeah, you really babbed the hell out of that one, but uh, it worked. I mean, it's yeah. a good call. If you played him, if you GPP'd Cameron Brait, you were very happy. 
same target share as Mike Evans just happened to catch two touchdown passes. If, if Evans had done that, then I would look like a genius about Mike Evans, but those are the breaks. Peyton Barber though, might be the start of the rest of the way. I mean, I, I thought he looked pretty good. The footwork looked good. The Packers run defense is actually solid. I, I know I, I right. rag on their, their secondary a lot, but 4.4 yards per attempt yesterday. I uh, caught some passes out of the backfield. I mean, I, I don't know if he's, what you describe as like an overwhelmingly skilled back from a speed standpoint, but he's, he's certainly talented enough to handle the load on a team that has pretty much nothing to play for over these final four games. Um, Packer side, can you tell me, so Aaron Jones came back yesterday and we talked last week about what's going to happen with this backfield. Well, Jamal Williams basically is the guy and he had a really nice day, 21 for 113 and a touchdown, um, caught a couple of passes. What was the sequence of events that led Aaron Jones to come in at the 20 yard line in overtime when he got the one carry for his touchdown? So Mike McCarthy at the end of the fourth quarter and then in overtime was having a very oafish set of play calls. Uh, He was he was really struggling. And as overtime got underway, the drive started in Green Bay territory back at the 28. It was Williams run. Williams run Hundley scramble Hundley pass incomplete to Nelson Hundley on a good play design out of the shotgun where he faked the handoff and ran for 18 yards Williams for nine more then Williams on a, a short pass for 12 more. So it was it was basically the whole drive was running through Hundley and Williams exclusively and Williams took himself out for a play uh-huh. after, after after that 12 yard gain. I don't know if he got like a little bit rolled up on the sideline or if he was just tired. But you, just before they cut away from the end of the play, I saw him tap the side of his helmet. And I was like, oh, OK, that's kind of surprising because he's I think he I think he had played every snap before that. I, I don't remember seeing Aaron Jones on the field at all that day. Um, and the funny thing, too, is it was like it was like a, a booth that I'd never even heard of before. Tim Brando was on play by play and Greg Jennings was having his first game as the color commentator. What? So those, so those two, I, I don't, I can't remember the last time I heard Brando call a football game. Maybe, maybe I just never, maybe he does it every week and I just steer away from him by some kind of miracle. Uh, but they, they, I mean, they were, they were like a new team working together. So it could have been missed by those two guys, even though I thought, you know, it could have been worse. So anyway, Aaron Jones comes in for his first snap of the game and it looks like a, a pretty failed run kind of the right side of the line. He gets stopped, cuts it back to the left side and scores. Yep. And and showed the same burst that he had before he got hurt. So I think his knee's feeling okay. But one of the least likely outcomes I could have imagined in that game with Jones's only carry being a walk-off on the opening drive of overtime after Jamal Williams had just played well all day long. <laughs> okay. Does that explain how it all happened? It, it like sure it was, does. It was interesting. I mean, if you had Aaron Jones, you, you decided to take that shot and plug him in. It, you know, uh, it actually did. He saved you on one play. You had, you were getting a goose egg and he saved you on one play. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully you just didn't play him because your process wasn't very good if you did. Right. Um, Lions, Ravens, Ravens piled it on late. This game actually wasn't a blowout. Um, it was close for a while. Stafford got hurt. There was a pick six late, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we talked about the no name, um, running backs for the lions. We're not going to talk about him again ever. Probably Alex Collins, a must start now, isn't he? He's your guy, isn't he? He's, he's good. He's a good runner. I mean, you know, he got what? 15 carries, you know, caught a couple. He's, he's their guy. He's the, he's their best running back pretty clearly. No, I agree. He he looked good a couple of years ago at Arkansas too. I remember just watching one of the Bielema Arkansas games that people will remember forever. Uh, and Alex Collins was running all over somebody. It was one of the the weaker SEC teams, but he was he looked good doing it. Mm-hmm. Is is the the main takeaway for me? I'm not trying to to you know rip the guy or anything like that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think with with the Ravens, the key is that they they are kind of moving away from all those other backs. So. Good on them for finding a solution to what was otherwise just a, a messy, messy timeshare to start the year. Yep. Sorry to the Danny Woodhead owners who were waiting on him because since he's come back, he's done a whole lot of nothing for you. 
Um, Lions, yeah, Marvin was fine. Golden Tate was Golden Tate. Nothing. There's not much else to talk about. Mike Wallace had a nice game for the Ravens. All right, FanDuel is fantasy football for everyday fans with new contests starting every week. No busted seasons. There's something for everyone with lots of contests to choose from starting at just $1, which I did yesterday. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score real time. Um, I actually thought I had a nice lineup because I went with the I – mean, Travis Kelsey started me off really well. And I had basically I built around Kenyon Drake, which wound up great. But then I went to that Josh Reynolds thing that I was hung up on last week and it didn't work at all. So, I mean, I had Kamara, I had Drake, I had Kelsey, but I ended a dollar contest and it was, you know, I mean, I finished in the top 5% and I won three bucks. So, you know, unless you hit big, I guess it doesn't matter, right? No. Yeah, nothing, unless it's a cash nothing. lineup, but it wasn't. Yeah. If the, the, the min caches are, you know, better than not cashing, but. Yeah, you don't you don't you don't walk away feeling like you did well, right? You feel like you feel like you did just enough. See, I if, if you would have told me, sorry to cut you off. I mean, the Josh Reynolds thing I knew it had a high possibility of you know flaming out. It was that was one of those you know swing for the fences picks. But if you would have told me that everyone but Reynolds would have a really strong game, I mean, my kicker got seventeen, my defense got twelve. If you would have told me everybody was going to have a strong game and then the two remaining scores to plug in were Thielen and Devontae Adams, I, w- I would have been pretty excited. And they yeah. just didn't do anything for me. All, all I needed, I mean, I, I had some decent calls. You know what I screwed up on, though? I had Brady. Right. I had Brady going. I, I got, I'm looking at the, I played the, the snap as one of the contests yesterday. Just, you know, $4 tournament, 15K to first, big, big field. And Brady getting nine, that was probably part of the reason why I didn't cash the other part, Mike Evans. I mean, I, and I wasn't the only one who liked him. I mean, he was, he was probably one of the heavier owned receivers, 21.1% in that contest mm-hmm. uh, to be precise. And then Jared cook, come on, Jared cook. What are you doing going against the giants? And not putting up anything. It was too easy. It was too easy. It was too obvious. It's a rule. Do you know that rule? Yeah. The, the two highest owned players I had outside of the Jacksonville defense, which I'm not going to count because the defenses are, to me, it's so much more concentrated in what you can really do versus what you can't. The two highest known players I had were the two worst players in my lineup. <laughs> I saw I, I got to stop doing chalky stuff. I was all over Jamal Williams. Melvin Gordon could have done a little more in a game where they were favored by 14 and a half. Right. You, he was still at least passable. And, and Josh Gordon was only 5.8% owned. So my fear that Josh Gordon would be like 30% owned because the price was so low turned out to be wrong. Yeah. I, I really thought everybody would just have a Josh Gordon lineup because it'd be fun. Uh, and they apparently didn't. Oh, well. Um, yeah, I thought it would have been higher on, too. All right, so we didn't win, but we got right back at him next week, everybody, just like you, right? Over 2.5 million player, players have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel. To take advantage of our special offer for new users, sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RW. You get a free six-month Rotowire subscription plus a free entry into the NFL Sunday Million, which offers more than a million dollars in cash prizes, and that's with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com slash RW. Void where prohibited. Okay, you mentioned the Pats. You mentioned Brady. Um, he killed you. The big deal with the Pats here especially for season-long fantasy owners. If you haven't seen the Gronk hit, which if you were watching football highlights yesterday at all or this morning, you did. He, you're not going to – I don't think you're going to have him for week 14. I think he's going to get suspended. Yeah, it was I mean, a, a very late, cheap shot. And I, I, don't, I mean, it basically just hitting a guy when he had no chance of seeing it coming. It was like a wrestling move. Right. I mean, that's, that's the easiest way to describe it if you didn't see it. It was terrible. I, yeah, it's really, really stupid. So if he somehow avoids suspension, uh, it's going to be a big fine. But I, I think you're right. I think there's a good chance he gets a one game suspension. So we'll have to see what the league decides to do for. Of course, it comes off one of his best games of the year. Season high, nine catches, season high, 147 yards, season high, 11 targets. He always plays well at Buffalo. Uh, so that would mean Gronk could potentially miss that game in Miami would return week 15 against Pittsburgh and get Buffalo again in championship week. So, yeah, uh, I don't know if it's a Dwayne Allen thing or if you just bump up like an Amendola or I'm more inclined to think like Amendola would do more than Dwayne Allen in this case if uh, Gronk suspended. Um, As far as I know, Jake and I are going to talk about free agents on Tuesday. But um, Steven Anderson had a nice day for the Texans and they're playing home against the Niners. You could think about him. Um, let's see here. Uh, if Olsen's back for the Panthers, Dixon's out of the picture. 
Uh, who else here tied in? Ricky Seals Jones didn't do much for us yesterday. Gerald Everett's got a touchdown, but what was he, what was he two for seven or something? Um, Still not getting enough targets. I, I like right. Gerald Everett as a player. I just don't like the role right now. Right, I agree. But yeah, you, you're going to have to start scouring. Uh, Cameron Bray is not I mean home against the Lions. You're gonna you, you you can see what his availability is. But if you own Gronk, start looking because you're going to need to have a backup plan. Because yeah, yeah, I I would bet on no Gronk. Um, other side of that one, Patriots. Let's see. Well, not that's the same side. Um, Deion Lewis, another strong day rushing. Rex Burkhead. <laughs> guy's awesome he's great yeah he plays special teams too which i I continue to kind of laugh about it's like he's he's a good he's a really good player yep how how does the rest of the league not see that it wasn't like they paid a lot of money to get him right why agree i don't know how do the how do the patriots do that how do the patriots see players that other teams barely play chris hogan's a good example of that too Right. And, and, and they had like, him. Oh, no, this guy's good. Like he can play for us. He get, we, we know how to use him like that. That blows my mind. That's such an amazing ability that they have as a group of scouts and as a front office and coaches to take players that mediocre teams don't want or don't use and then to apply them and have as much success as they do. It's crazy. Yep. Burke, after all that time missed, he's running back 33 PPR wise on the season. Uh, and, and he's just, you know, he's scoring. I know he's not going to score all those touchdowns, but he runs play. I mean, I, I can't believe that the Patriots backfield has enough room for fantasy production for two backs and their Deion Lewis and Rex Burkett. I that's just amazing. So, I mean, good on them. Deion Lewis could barely could play for the Eagles his first two years in the league, could barely get on the field. Right. Missed two years with injuries and then comes back and is good and useful. Right. And now it's 112 carries this season. Right. Got more carries this year than he has in the, I mean, the two partial seasons, but more this year than he had. I think in the last two combined, or he's about to pass that number. So it's crazy what they do. I mean, and James White's the kind of player that I know they drafted him in the fourth round, but normally James White's the kind of guy that some other team drafts in the fourth round based on his college production, and then they're disappointed in him and they cut him, and the Patriots just swoop in later and get him. They yeah. just they just happen to see that one as it happened. They're smarter than everybody. Big, a big obvious one there, I know. But um, all right, it's Niners Bears, Jimmy G. I watched some of this, and I watched some more of his. Th- I, I watched a bunch of his throws this morning. I kind of wanted to see how he. Did. I mean, he he just he looks the part, right? He looks. You watch that guy, and you go, "Wow, he's actually a pretty good quarterback." And and what what that means it, for future? I mean, for for right now, I'm, I'm not going to be loving Jimmy G for fantasy purposes. But for the future, if you watch him and you think of Kyle Shanahan's offense, you see so many possibilities here, don't you? Yeah, and think about Kyle Shanahan's offense getting some weapons next year. I mean, Marquise Goodwin, good downfield guy right now. Trent Taylor came up with a nice game yesterday, too. But this is not a group of pass catchers you look at and say, hey, he's set up for success right now. I mean, he played pretty well in this spot. I uh, also surprised in this game that both running backs, Hyde and Howard, were kept very quiet yep. across the board. I mean, Jordan Howard under three yards per carry. That was pretty crazy. Tariq Cohen's punt return in this game was <sighs> insane. Like video game run backwards, zigzag away from everybody and then take off. I mean, I give him credit for, for finding a way to pull that off. That was Contrary. a no, 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 no. Don't do it. Don't. Oh, right. Good. Yeah. It, it, it looked like a disaster. It looked like a loss of 10. And he, he scored. So good, good job, Tariq Cohen. That was pretty impressive. Yep. And uh, as per usual, the, the Bears in a close game didn't want Mitchell Trubisky to throw it much. So 12 of 15 for 102 yards. Goodness. <laughs> 39 yards to Tariq Cohen, 25, 21, and 13 to Kendall Wright, Dontrell Inman, and Daniel Brown. The TD going to Inman. Horrible. Horrible. He, Let him throw the ball. John Fox is getting fired. He, right? He's so getting fired. And I wonder if the GM's going with him. Pace, so, yeah, he's yeah. gone. I just, I mean, that's just not going well there. Um, all right, Browns, Chargers. Uh, we're going to go back to Josh Gordon. He's so. I was skeptical about how he'd do, and you know, it was a tough opponent, all that. So, what? Eleven targets, four for eighty-five. Now, as skeptical as I was, and he didn't. If you benched him, it's not like he got burned. If you had him in PPR, he had a solid game. You know, not great, but solid. However, moving forward, I mean, if you own a, if you if you got him, you're playing him. 
yeah, you're feeling really good after what he was able to pull off. And the thing that I'm, I'm trying to come up with is just any sort of comp for a player that's been away as long as Gordon's been away only to have him come back and, and play at a high level. And the only similar thing I can think of is in baseball with Josh Hamilton. Yeah. Where you have this extremely talented guy, Hamilton's case. I mean, even harder drugs were part of the problem, but he comes back and, and plays at a level like he was never gone. Like that's, that's amazing. Right. I, yeah. If you had any hesitation with Gordon, which I think was understandable, Coming into the week, even though the Browns kept saying he's going to get a lot of snaps, he's going to get a lot of workload. You kind of want to see it first, and he did it in a t- pretty tough matchup because the Chargers have been good in the secondary all season. I believe Gordon and the Browns get the Packers in Week 14, and yeah, even though Mike Evans didn't do it, I'm going to keep picking on that Green Bay secondary because I think they are very susceptible to getting burned by quality players, and Josh Gordon definitely a quality player, just still potentially elite. Okay, so, Mister Packer fan, now your team you your team won yesterday and they're six and six and you're excited because you can see the light at the end of the tunnel if Rogers comes back. What week fifteen potentially? Yeah, fifteen, yep. However, how do you feel about this game in Cleveland this week? I feel pretty good about it because I still think even with the weapons Deshaun Kaiser has, he's a rookie quarterback on a team that has struggled this year that could have some trouble protecting him. I mean, the Packers, when they get Matthews healthy and have Mike Daniels playing well, actually can get a pretty good pass rush. So I think it's going to be an interesting game and a close game, but I'm not not sweating it too much. Okay. Just wondering. And Corey Coleman, big goose egg. Thank you, Josh Gordon, for that. Um, <laughs> or at least being part of that. Uh, the other side of this one, Keenan Allen. I love Keenan Allen. You know, and you probably, if you listen, you probably know that. In the last three weeks, three weeks ago, he probably looked like a disappointment to you. Last three weeks, he's caught 33 passes as four touchdowns, and he is now the number three wide receiver on the season in PPR points. He's just, he's, and Philip Rivers loves him. Look, find Philip Rivers' comments about Keenan Allen after yesterday's game. He loves him, loves him. Missed him for a second TD early in the game, too. Mm-hmm. Just, just a flat-out bad throw by Rivers on a, on a spot where Allen ran a great route. I think he had a little uh, little hitch, and DB bit on it. Wide open in the end zone. Rivers just missed. Yep. It's, I'm trying to – I won't spend time trying to find these quotes, but it was basically like he, he, they asked Rivers about Allen, and he said, it's so easy for me to see him getting open. Like, it's just so natural. Like, I see everything happening with him. I totally get it. Like, I, I know what he's going to do, and I know he's going to be open, and I trust him. So, I mean, it was just this stuff that you go, wow, he would throw this guy, he would throw this guy every time if he could, which is yeah, pretty I, nice. You would. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I wish I did because he's, he's been a machine. And Hunter Henry has really kind of leveled off, it seems like, these last few weeks. He's been become a lot more stable. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and the, by the way, the Chargers playoff train, is, uh, it's getting crowded. So it, it absolutely is. I mean, like they they go uh, another home game against Washington at Kansas City is going to be a big one in week 15 at the Jets week 16 home against the Raiders in week 17. So they're in, they're in a pretty good spot schedule wise. Right. And uh, I was going to do the um, Mark Stopa, by the way. Bet I, I saw this on his Twitter feed last night. Bet the Chargers at 300 to one when they were three and six to win the Super Bowl. Nice. And yeah. if, I, if I know Stopa, he didn't put like 10 bucks on it either. He put a lot of money on it. It, it looks so. like $1,000 here. Reading the other tweets, it says $1,000 or 300 to one pays 301K. I'm certain to hedge. I'm reading one of the tweets. So, yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, <laughs> it, that's not a bad bet. The problem you have, and again, this is a team that plays good enough defense to maybe scare and hang around against the New England. They got to go into New England and do it. That's going to be the, one of the problems for them. They they don't have a glaring weakness as a team, mm-hmm. but the, yeah, the problem is, you know, can they can they win a lot of road playoff games because they might not get a home game after the wild card round? They'd Correct. probably be on the road for the rest of the the playoffs and may have to play in Minnesota during the Super Bowl too. But I, they they're good enough to beat just about anybody in the league despite the six and six record. Right. So it, it's an interesting bet. And if I had. Uh, if I had Stopa's means, I'd, I'd understand the, the desire to put money on that. 
Yeah, that's a good bet. I'm, I'm excited. He, did, about he, these guys. he did it at the right time. Did it three and six. Like buying in on a three and six team, even if you have the money to do that, right? Is is still? It's got to be a little hard to stomach at first. I agree. It's hard. I wish I would because we, you and I talked about it. So you and I talked about it when they were one and four. So it's just I, I, I was not a man of action on this one. I was all talk. So I don't deserve a lot of credit on this one. Um, well, it goes back to like Mike Clay. I, I don't know if he talked about it when he was on the pod with you during draft season, but I know Mike Clay, his projections were all over the Chargers as the best team yes. in the AFC West. And I think there was even a point I saw him maybe in October kind of apologized to everybody like, yeah, I, I don't know. I was, I was wrong about the Chargers. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but I, I thought he kind of took an L on it and it's like, nah, he did. Don't, don't do that in October. You just, you never know. Right. Um, Giants Raiders. So Geno Smith is the big real life story. Fantasy wise, nobody cares. Um, so, I mean, it really, it's just not, even if he plays well for real life, he's not going to be a fantasy factor though. He can make plays with his legs. Um, Evan Ingram back from the dead. That was nice. So that, that's a good sign here because sometimes when the new quarterback comes in, you know, we talk about, oh, who's the second string receiver? All that baloney. Evan Ingram is, you know, he's, he's the man there again. And I think that's, you know, he had a few bad games and that was really nice to see seven for 99 and a touchdown out of him. Yeah. And it's, uh, I mean, with Gino, people are going to say, well, he fumbled, he lost two fumbles and he turned it over. Uh, and the YPA wasn't good. And I would agree with them all that. Yes, he did fumble twice. And that's not good. And the YPA is pretty bad when you consider the Raiders defense and how generous they have been this season. But just as the reminder, like the the replacement of Eli Manning is not unfair to Eli Manning because of who Geno Smith is. If that's what Geno does, <laughs> Eli's last five games, 4.2 YPA, 5.9 hit a seven, four against San Francisco, a six, one against the Rams and a three, four against Seattle. Right. You, you, okay. There's, there's not really a strong argument that Eli was going to do a whole lot more than what Geno did. YPA wise against Oakland, because he wasn't doing it in other good matchups. That Kansas city matchup in week 11 was a good one. Like, look, look what Josh McCowan just did to the chiefs. Eli Manning couldn't well, do anything against them at home. That was the 11. wind was like 25 miles an hour that day. Not that I want to help it, but I, you, you point taken about Eli. I agree, but that was a little weird. That one was a little weird anyway. So I, I hope, I hope everybody that was just like for Geno Smith, like I hope like, after one game, you're like, Oh, this is pretty much the same. It, and it's, it's at least not worse, but it's probably about the same as it would have been with Eli. And you're looking at a quarterback that could be on the roster. Maybe as a backup next year, maybe as a starter. I don't, I don't know. It's played pretty well. I think, to really put himself in a competition there, but it's also an audition for him. If some other team likes him, they'll scoop him up. Right. But he, he was confident yesterday, but the thing is hopefully that doesn't cloud the fact that you need to see what you have in the other guy in the rookie. So, I mean that, that would be their thing because you don't think Gino's going to be your starter, as you said. Well, the tricky thing about Davis Webb though, they, they, they said they want to play him. Yeah. If you take a guy in the third round and you expect him to not play all year, which that, I'm assuming at the beginning of the year, they thought they'd be a good team at this point in the season that Beckham would be healthy and, you know, Eli would be passable and the defense would play well and they'd be in the mix for at least a wild card, if not even a division title. They, at the beginning of the year, probably had no plan of Davis Webb playing a single snap this year. Correct. So to rush your plan at quarterback by playing him on a team that significantly underachieved is not the best way to get a look at him. Like you're better off just keeping him as a backup, not even letting him play, seeing what Gino does and basically seeing if Webb's your three next year or if he's your two, he's your two. If you don't like Gino, he's your three. If you do and you go get a quarterback either early in the draft or, you know, I don't probably not going to get one in free agency, but you address the position in the off season and, and Webb Webb's there regardless. And you don't have to let him play. But you, what you got when you drafted Webb, when they drafted him and they said he could be our future quarterback. Well, then if you're thinking about drafting one in the off season, don't you want to get a look at him? But if, if he comes out and looks like CJ Beathard on, on this team, do you, do you really learn anything about him? Cause I might, might be right. My, my point with the giants all along is just like Eli wasn't good because the supporting cast was, was bad. And Eli's, arm strength and everything is just not good anymore either. He, he, Eli at this stage of his career can't elevate a bad team to be an average one. And Agreed. I don't, I don't know if, if, if Davis Webb can do that either. And we've seen Gino play on a bad team and like be passable before. So if 
again, if you have confidence in Davis Webb long term, you could almost like mess him up playing him on a team this bad. That's probably true. Or um, make a bad call based on a small number of games with bad supporting cast. Other side of this one, Lynch had a big touchdown run, uh, which made his numbers look good for the day. Cordell Patterson was the best uh, receiver for for 97, but Johnny Holton, who we talked about last week, got a touchdown. You really couldn't have predicted any of these guys to do much. Um, Panthers Saints. I watched this one. And uh, Alvin Kamara is just he's he's a monster. Like, like literally, I, I agree with the people on Twitter who say I, I don't understand when he was. I'm not a big college football watcher. Um, especially when there's, you know, teams that are kind of middle of the road, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll, I watched games on Saturday night this week and I watched the big games during the week, but you know, last year, I mean, I wasn't going to be watching Tennessee and South Carolina, you know, but I, I agree with people who say, I don't know how people tackled Alvin Kamara in college. He's, I, I, you look at him, I go, I go, I don't understand how he was a third round pick. I don't know what everybody missed. And I'm blaming people because I didn't see him, see him much, but you watch this guy and you're like, holy, I mean, wow, he is a wow player. And there's not a lot of those. Yeah, he's he's impressive. And if they keep both Ingram and Kamara for the long haul, I mean, that's a good if you have to move away from Breeze at some point in the next couple of years and well, Ingram or Kamara could break down while that happens. Hopefully they don't. But to have a running game like that certainly would make it easier to break in a new quarterback if you had to, because that is a really nice combination. And again, I've said this before. I was wrong about the Saints in that when they were 0-2, I started to question Sean Payton because they had the three-man running back system. Kamara wasn't playing a lot. I had no idea he was this good. Um, but I, did, I just didn't like the way they were playing out of the shoot, and I kind of wondered, like, did Sean Payton lose it? Clearly, no. Like, they've got things running really well right now. 9-3, uh, and three, sitting atop a very tough division. And they're one of those teams also where there's, you know, so many... As many home games as they can get in the playoffs, you don't really feel great about teams having to go into New Orleans and beating them right now. Right. Um, Drew Brees had a, you know, fantasy-wise had another whole home game. He's had a lot of those. Um, Michael Thomas caught a touchdown. That was good. On the other side of this, Cam, you know, two touchdowns. He, he didn't play all that well, and his team didn't. That offense is just so inconsistent. I mean, they had a weird game. You know, the punter dropped a snap, and... They, they had some fluky things going, go against them to help them lose. But their offense is also just basically the Saints are just better. That's just the way it was. Funches did OK. McCaffrey did OK. PPR wise, he got the touchdown, which I mean, the, the Panthers offense is just you can't. Other than Cam, you can't trust them. I mean, they, he throws to Funches enough. I shouldn't say that. And that was a tough matchup for Funches, even though Latimer was sick or hurt. Sorry. But um, I mean, these guys, I don't know. And they're playing the Vikings this week. I don't know. I mean, Devin Funches this week against the Vikings. I don't know. That, um, that scares me. He, he might, he's one of those guys who we talk about a lot. He's kind of in a no man's land because he gets enough work at this point that you feel like it wouldn't be logical to bench him. But playing against Xavier Rhodes, oh boy, that's, that's not a friendly environment. No, no, it definitely is not. I'm looking at the Panthers' schedule, though. At least they get the Vikings at home, they get the Packers at home, they get the Bucks at home. And then Atlanta on the road. So the window's open for them to get at least two wins in their next three in some combination and then possibly win again at Atlanta. So they they should get to 10 wins. And that's probably enough to get one of the wild cards. Maybe they see that's the thing. 10 wins is I think 10 wins is the barrier for entry in the NFC. I mean, 10 wins, hopefully we'll get it. But if but if it's nine they're they I don't think they'll get in. You know, it's 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 going to be a hard that's why for teams like the Packers and the Cowboys, they're six and six and they're hopeful right now, but they're going to have to run the table. Right. Like the Lions are the Lions, the Packers and any team with six wins right now has to win out. Yep. That's, yeah. That, to me, there's no other path in because Seattle's already at eight and four. The Panthers are eight and four. Falcons are at seven and five. So you, your margin for error is now zero in the NFC if you have six wins. Yep. That's right. Um, Rams and Cardinals. Um, Blaine Gabbert was not, not that we expected a ton from Blaine Gabbert, but he was kind of Blaine Gabbert. Um, Adrian Peterson did not play. So, and we, we knew that was a possibility. Kerwin Williams actually had a nice 16 for 97. I mean, fantasy wise, he didn't help you a ton. Um, we talked about Ricky Seals Jones earlier, kind of letting us down a little bit after the last two weeks. We, you know, if you hope, if you hope for a lot out of him, you know, two for 44, you didn't get much. Um, otherwise the receivers here, Sammy Watkins, you know, the, the Patrick Peterson matchup, it, 
he, he, Sammy Watkins didn't pick up pick up big numbers, but he got a touchdown, so you're good, Sammy Watkins owners, right? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, I think with Watkins, I got a little spooked by the the low target volume. Looking back through the game log, I had a couple leagues, uh, smaller leagues in particular, I was looking at having a cut, and I cut Watkins going into this week. It's a ten team league, mm-hmm. and I just thought I, I'm I'm more concerned about how he's been used all year. And I realize with Robert Woods healthy, there's one more option out there that Jared Goff likes to throw to. But I'm more concerned about the target pattern with Watkins than I am confident in the recent scoring streak being sustainable. Agreed. Yep. Four targets, I agree. I mean, you you would have thought that when Woods got hurt, they were going to have to, almost have to throw to Watkins more. And yesterday, as we you know mentioned, the matchup was not great. But even last week, it wasn't a ton of targets, was it? It was. Hold on, last week he got nine. Yeah, and that was by, that was kind of an outlier compared to like the previous three games. He might have had nine in the previous three combined, if right. I remember right. And I saw that, and I was like, I can't, I can't bank, I can't bank on this right now. And he's got Philly at home next week, um, and then at Seattle, um, Eagles Seahawks. Did you see the four la- the lateral? The lateral with uh, Russell Wilson's lateral to Davis. I thought it, basically I watched it in real time and it, people were complaining that Doug Peterson did not challenge R- Russell Wilson ran and was past the line of screen. Well past probably five yards or whatever. I don't know what it was. And he lateral to Mike Davis who got another 10 yards, a great looking play. Like he was kind of running downfield. It was a schoolyard play. And I saw it twice. Didn't think anything of it. And then people said, you know, Oh, well he should have challenged the four lateral. I'm kind of like, really? You sure? I mean, I didn't think, but I, I haven't seen, I haven't, I, I was in and out on that play, during that play last night. And when I saw it this morning, I did not see the slow-mo replays. See if it was four lateral. Someone can let me know what it was. And I'm um, sorry I didn't take a look at that. But they, that was – Russell Wilson played a real – Russell Wilson has been a ridiculously good fantasy quarterback over the last seven or eight weeks. Yeah, and I, I guess the thing about it is we've 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 always wondered what would this team be like if he had to throw more? And this is one of those years where he's – by design kind of having to throw more because they just they can't run it very well mike davis maybe is part of the answer though four yards per carry last night i mean that's better than what they've been getting from guys like lacy and, and rawls uh, throughout the year so he's maybe not quite chris carson but he's at least good enough to get the job done and yeah i mean i, I i'm looking at this play right here i i don't know it it looks it looks it looks fine yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's a forward pass. I think it's, yeah, no, it's totally fine. Slow down, especially you can, you can tell that it's the lateral. So I, I don't, I don't know what people were so upset about on that. I thought you were talking about this play. There was one I want to say in the third quarter, he was scrambling and he's trying. I don't. It was a weird play. He got kind of caught awkwardly out of the pocket. It, it was a grounding penalty that they ruled uh, uh, lateral, but it, it didn't get recovered. It just bounced right. and went out of bounds. He got crushed on that play. Yeah. Like I, I was surprised he got up like right away and was was fine. But it almost looked like he got like rolled up on his legs and hit in the head. And it was a it was he got out of the pocket or got out of the tackle box and then kind of came back towards it and just threw a ball across the field. Essentially, it was a really weird decision. Right. It, it was. Um, otherwise, in this game, um, Ajay finally outsnapped Blunt. Didn't get a lot of production. Uh Doug Baldwin almost got a touchdown, but then they got his foot out of bounds on a replay, and then someone else got the touchdown. So uh, Jimmy Graham, usual, gets his red zone target. Um, that's it. That game could have been different. If if Wentz hadn't fumbled going into the end zone on that one play, it, it, that game could have been very different. If you're an Eagles fan and they lost, I don't think I wouldn't be alarmed is what I'd say. However, they're going to the Rams this week, and if they lose, then they're out of the number one seat. So think, things, things can change very quickly for the Eagles even on a really tough two-game road trip here. Steelers-Bengals tonight, your big concern. If you have Antonio Brown, it sounds like he's going to play, but there's certainly cause for concern. Yeah, but you can't not use it if he's active, right? I mean, right. As long as he's supposed to play a reasonable number of snaps, you, you, you can't play Brandon LaFell or Darius Hayward Bay or someone else going in that game as a as a last-minute adjustment unless we know something's totally wrong with Brown and how much he's expected to go. Uh, so I'm trying, trying to keep him in my lineup and hope, hoping everything's going to be fine in the league where I have him. But I think I'm losing in that league anyway. So it probably right. doesn't make a big difference. And then in that case, I'm just rooting for him not to get hurt worse because I need Antonio Brown to play well down the stretch. 
Right. And if, and if you're, if there's still a, for some reason, a chance you can stash somebody to, you know, make a late change, it would probably be what Eli Rogers and Brandon LaFell would be the candidates. I would think Tyler yeah, Boyd, I mean, maybe if he's still, I would, yeah, I would assume Martavis Bryant's owned everywhere now again, cause he had that big game a couple weeks ago. Maybe not though. Maybe there's some smaller leagues out there where he's still freely available on the wire and Juju is probably long gone in most leagues. I, I think I get more Juju questions than I do about any other player because people just want to play him and like him. Right. All right, everybody. That's it. Listeners, this podcast and get a free 10 day rotowire trial at rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card needed. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the site. Check it out now. Rotowire.com slash pod. Uh, Derek, what do we got going on uh, after tonight, even before to help people for week 14? Well, we got Payne's waiver column that's uh, going up. We've got our optimizer, I believe, runs for the Monday Thursday contest as well. So you can check that stuff out. Uh, Mario's film review later in the week, middle of the week. You also get the week 14 rankings from our own Jeff Erickson. Yes. And it's going to have Josh Gordon a lot higher than he was, I bet. Everybody, if you like this podcast, keep the reviews and ratings coming. We'd appreciate those. And thank you for listening to this edition of the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel. We'll be coming back on Tuesday. Jake Latarski and I will be here with your waiver wire suggestions, so please come on back and check that out. For Derek Van Riper, I'm John Halpin. See you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.